Mama Kate, good evening to you. How are you? Good evening, Ayabonga. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. And uh, thank you so much for taking time out to speak to us. Mama Kate, when we start off, and uh, uh, it might be helpful for some uh, people who might not be following, uh, I guess, uh, the context here of some of the debates uh, in the platinum sector. Uh, we do know South Africa and Zimbabwe sit uh, probably on 80% of the world's known reserves of the uh, of this particular metal, and uh, certainly a, a rather valuable metal uh, indeed. Uh, but uh, also, uh, the last time we had th- these kinds of negotiations, uh, how or in what shape were the two uh, negotiating parties? How, how, how was Amku looking uh, straight after Marikana and, of course, straight after that five-month-long strike? And uh, how were the employers looking? Well, as you said in your introductions, um, the, the, the employer was in a precarious position. Uh, their, their industry has just been hammered uh, by the global markets and um, their uh, balance sheet or their revenue was down. So uh, they were going into that negotiation on the back foot and uh, having just some of the companies started to uh, their plans to restructure their operations. Of course, Amku, on the other hand, had just come out of a platinum sector uh, strike um, that had been tragic but also had demonstrated that they are the majority player in the platinum sector. They are not to be messed with and they mean business in their demand. So that's that. But now we are here uh, and, and, and this is a different time and a different period because uh, things are always constantly moving. Ayabonga, you know that. Always changing within the mining industry because it's cyclical and it's based on and the demands of those who consume the resources. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, w- when we take a look at who consumes these kinds of resources, where the applications are, where, uh, the, one of the main applications, least of all for Platinum Group Metals, uh, is uh, the auto uh, sector and uh, the, their use in autocatalytic converters. But, yeah. uh, I mean, what are some of the shifts that have been happening in that particular sector? We do know those are the things that control... Uh, the emissions that come out of the car and uh, after that emission scandal that we saw with the VW a few years ago, uh, one would think that there have been some changes that affect the demand for platinum. Oh, absolutely. Because of that, we have seen uh, automakers uh, moving towards uh, recycling the catalyst converters and therefore using recycled platinum. But at the same time, we know that iron ore is a key component in steel making and therefore China, which is, uh, has been undergoing a serious construction projects, uh, would be the, the, the biggest consumer of steel. And of course, it's, it's currently in a trade war with, you know, who um, about, about steel prices and mm. so forth. But overall, um, the, main, the main seller of, 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 of the platinum metals group will always be platinum. However, palladium, if you have looked at its prices, even when, we, when I was talking to you the other time, uh, it has performed relatively well the demand for it because we know it works in in that sector um of 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 um the the Elon Musk sector car just gone out of my my vocabulary at the moment uh, the the Tesla car model that they mm, the electric in cars the, in, and that kind of thing yeah car, in the battery in the battery product yes. so yes yes um how, but but now the challenge moving forward here in this round of negotiations will be the employer saying, but you know, we can't uh, give you what you're asking for because you know our industry currently is also uh, 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 going through a difficult time. You know, they I, I only say that to you, and that hasn't washed out or been flooded out of the market. They overproduced in an oversupplied 
oversaturated market and mm. that that overproduced uh, platinum hasn't been flushed out hasn't been consumed so it's still out there and the market is still um, uh, oversaturated so that's going to mm. be the challenge but but, but Mokheti- Surely, I mean, the likes of uh, uh, Joseph Matunjo and uh, even his counterparts in the National Union of Mine Workers uh, might also be going in and saying, look, we've seen the palladium price rally. I mean, it it breached that $1,500 an ounce mark earlier on this year. And uh, certainly uh, alongside the likes of, I think, rhodium is the other uh, PGM as well that uh, we produce here, have certainly blown the lights out. And of course, uh, as Amku, you might be saying that justifies us coming in at 48% and wanting a 17,000 rand minimum wage. Yes, absolutely. And they would be right. It has blown off the roof. Excuse me. <clears throat> it has blown off the roof. It has performed well. But also at the same time, Ayabongal always comes back to this with you in our conversation. Uh, employers cannot plead that they cannot afford the wages that the workers are demanding. While at the same time, you go and look at the annual reports of the company, you can look at the, the performance of the company, you can look at the the, the, the income and the, the bonuses and the, and, the, and the remuneration packages of the, their topmost executives. It cannot always be justified in that context. More importantly, um, in an industry that is saying we have troubles, we cannot afford to pay this, but but the key executives keep on earning the millions that they're earning. It's unjustifiable. And so unions have the, are, are rightfully demanding what they feel they've earned. And remember, mining platinum in South Africa is quite hard. It's quite difficult. It's intense. It's labor-intensive. It's, it's, it's lots of homes underground. So I'm not surprised. However, if you listened last week or you've been following it even before now, Joseph Matunjo seemed muted, um, not muted, but uh, very dilute. Well, I'd say muted in in his approach. But of course, we know that could be different. He he was he was saying they are going to be pragmatic. He was also saying they know the kind of industry that they are dealing with in mm. terms of what is out there. But emphasizing that in a mining sector that is historically, and this is something the business side of mining always want to brush it aside, almost dismissively. Mm. In a mining industry that is historically exploited, underpaid, and, and overworked workers, uh, they will always demand, unions have always said, we will always demand wages that we feel our members should end, that sure. we feel are, are based on the historical context of the industry. And they are correct to do that. Mm, mm, mm. And, and, and when we take a look, I mean, I guess at, at one of the two mechanisms, or even both of them, that uh, effectively, I guess, make many of these entities strike-proof. One of those is uh, effectively having so many stockpiles that you're able to even meet uh, improved demand that's coming uh, from whatever changes are happening in the in the auto sector. But uh, the other, uh, certainly being the, the balance sheets and uh, the amount of debt that one would find uh, in those balance sheets that effectively allow them to recover uh, from any work stoppages uh, that might occur if indeed the employer and the employee don't find each other. And AMCU uh, takes the route that they've uh, chosen uh, many a times in the past, which is to go on uh, mass action and prolonged strikes. Yes, they, uh, the employers often do that, but I do not think at this time uh, that is a strategy that would work. As we have said already, they've, they've over-flooded themselves. They, they've kind of like painted themselves into a corner, the producers. It's what, for me, is going to be interesting is going to see how... Um, 
the negotiations, remember here they happen at an individual company, two workers, not at collective bargaining, how they are going to be uh, uh, unfolding moving forward because we know that uh, employers seems to be at the moment uh, uh, be doing relatively better than the other companies and we know uh, as I'm looking, uh, as I'm talking to you now uh, in terms of um, their the, the performance today, Sibanya is 16, is 1.75% up, Anglo is minus 1.4% down, Impala Platinum minus 2, Implats minus 81. So it seems Sibanya is a glimmering light in all of this, but we know the dynamics of Matrinjo versus Frontman uh, in negotiations throughout this uh, uh, the, the process of negotiation in gold now that he's in platinum, again, that's going to factor. What matters moving forward, I think, is a strategy that AMCO is going to use in negotiating, not just with the employer, but I think uh, the approach that they will take collectively. Because we know, even though the companies negotiate separately, all of them belong under the, 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 the Chamber of Mines, mm. or what they call it, the Mineral Resources Minerals Council. Council yeah. Yes, yes. So they'll always meet and discuss what is happening. Uh, it's unlikely that a strike will happen. However, it, if, it, if it's going to happen, obviously, it's going not just to affect one mine. It might happen within one company, but it's going to probably filter to the other companies because I'm keeping the majority union. In, in the platinum sector, if it happens. Mm, mm. And, I mean, what do you make of some of the demands that are on the table here already? I mean, 48% and uh, that's 17,000 minimum wage. Oftentimes, the tactic when people go into these negotiations is to, is to possibly start as high as you can so that uh, you're able to negotiate your way down and similarly on the part of the employers to start as low as you can and uh, potentially try and find each other in the middle. If you look at that 17,000, uh, where potentially would we see that that particular demand? And then on the 48% uh, percent, uh, percentage point increase, uh, where, where, where do you think uh, the two parties are going to settle? I think uh, it could be we are possibly looking at the way that um, who might get closer to the to the initial twelve thousand five hundred that they used to demand that they asked for maybe a couple of years back? Uh, I do not think the employers are going to agree to that. As you're saying, it's going to be we are up here, you are down here, and let's find the middle ground. Uh, I think it's important besides the wages uh, that they emphasise safety in the mining in the mines that they work in. But then at the same time, when you look at issues of safety and you look at the issues of wages and the wages that are basically unable to cover up the cost. And somebody who's listening, uh, who as is classified as a black metal class might say, but what, isn't that just enough? You'd remember that the, the, the wages that an average worker, mine worker is demanding for somebody that's uh, installment for a car or there's money for petrol that they use for a month, depending on the model of the car that they drive. Mm. So the wages are always going to factor in. And it's often a, a, a misleading narrative in the South African context that like to say, workers are demanding what they are not worth getting. It's actually very prevalent in the mining industry business for companies to say workers and some CEOs to yeah, say workers well, are demanding what they are not Mamo getting. Mamo I mean, I, I guess it shouldn't surprise us. I mean, this is a, an industry that was built on uh, trying to keep labor as cheap as possible. And I think, uh, you know, the legacy of TEPA or the ghost of uh, things like TEPA and Wenela continues to, to be pervasive in an industry where many of these guys will come and say, ah, but labor costs are too high. Yeah, of course, relative to the slave uh, uh, wages that historically the sector has paid. Yes, but also I, I, I 
disagree strongly with that notion, especially when you realize that if you look at their books, if you look at their annual statement, labor is probably number six or seven after the cost of electricity, after the cost of expansion, after the cost of or what they pay to the shareholders. So this narrative, we need to dismantle it. Mm. And I always try to dismantle it because it's misleading completely. And it positions workers as if they are being uh, greedy and, 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 and what, wanting what they are not worth. Yeah. So, so, so for me, although this, this is arguably AMCO's most critical wage negotiations since Marikana, but mm. since throughout their whole process of negotiation, and uh, including the goal sector, because there they are not the majority. Here they are the majority. So the tactics that they will use will kind of like set the tone on how they are going to engage uh, mm. throughout with, with the platinum sector. But also it's important because this is where Neil Frontman has come to their, ter- to, to their turf, so to speak. In gold, they were on his turf. And we know the, poly- the dynamics of personalities, of leadership, of leaders' personalities factor in when people are negotiating. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, you know, in sport, they often say you, you are as good as your last performance. Uh, and I'd be interested in the case of Amku. Uh, to just talk briefly about the last time they uh, held out for a long period of time, and that was in the gold sector, ending up, uh, I guess, uh, agreeing to a uh, offer very much similar to what they had rejected earlier on uh, in their strike process. And a few months later, and uh, you know, a few months of production lost, uh, they were willing to come back to a much, uh, uh, you know, lower rate than what they thought they would have uh, received. Uh, uh, will that influence in any way? Uh, I guess their morale going into this uh, spa- this uh, a series of negotiations, and uh, more importantly, I guess th- there's then the big question of another showdown here between Sibanya and Amku. Yes, it's going to influence that. It's always going to play at the back of their minds, but at the same time, you know that uh, Amatunjo and Amku, as I had said just now, a platinum sector is their turf ground. It becomes a completely different ball game, but also it also becomes a completely different ball game in how they in platinum uh, uh, they do not have. The, the, the disadvantage where other unions are most likely going to take the offer and say, and then they are outnumbered because the rest of the unions have accepted the offer. That is going to factor in. But also, depending on what uh, the employer is offering, particularly Sibani, because we know it has just taken over London, uh, I mean, it has acquired London, depending on how they negotiate moving forward, I think it could either mean a breakdown or it could mean a, a toning down. I do not think, uh, even if it might seem like a CEO, like the phone man can be perceived as taking out, like, I do not think he himself can afford to have another strike within a period of six months mm. under his name, even if it's different industry, because that, that speaks to the manner in which uh, the person would be leading, but also that speaks to the manner in which the person engages the work. Yeah, so yeah. we will see how that unfolds. Okay, Mamukhati, we'll have to leave it there. Really appreciate your time as always. And uh, thank you so much uh, for taking time out uh, to speak to us this evening as part of our business wrap conversation. That is Mamukhati Moropiani. Uh, she is uh, the founder and CEO at uh, Creative Voodoo Consulting, also a mining and labor analyst, uh, speaking to us this evening.